This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Talk money to me. Hello there and welcome to Talk Money To Me. I'm Candace Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. And this is your Need To Know Wealth podcast where we make the complex simple. We are back once again with our Autopad episodes where we both actually pitch a listed idea. Some of these companies have maybe recently caught our attention or some of them could be ones that we've been holding for a while. Um, now, if you're a regular listener, you'll become familiar with our style and the way that we made this podcast to help educate you on all aspects of your financial landscape. Now, Candice and I draw on our extensive expertise and experience in wealth management and capital markets to deliver clever financial and insightful finance conversations amongst ourselves and with our special guests. Here we go. So coming back to our episode today, we will be chatting about, like Felicity mentioned, two very different stocks and the reasons why we're bullish on these names. We haven't yet had a sell. We always talk about that as a joke, but and I'm sure one day we will. Now, you guys know the drill. Although we're talking about investing and making money in the markets, please don't rely on the content discussed in this episode as personal advice, financial advice, and also we're not talking about a financial product. The content on this podcast is general in nature and you should always seek professional appropriate advice before making your own financial decisions. So the companies that Felicity and I will be talking about on our show today are offered in good faith based on the facts known at the time and don't contain all the relevant information in respect to the financial products to which they relate. So essentially, guys, if something triggers during our episode today and you want to talk to us about your personal finances, maybe see if these companies you know, are a good fit for you, send us an email. Alrighty, well, let's quickly check back in to our growing order pad and the stocks we've pitched so far. Like Candace said, these have all been biased so far. What we're actually going to do to make things simple so that everyone can follow, we're going to base the returns from when you guys actually hear the pitch. Obviously, we're not recording on the same day we're releasing. So currently in first place, according to the last traded price on the 18th of October, so last night, we have Candace taking the lead with SVB. So if you bought it at $650 on the 1st of October, you would now be up 7.09%, which is fantastic. Woohoo. Yeah, great. So you're taking the lead now. Now, if you bought a dusk on the 10th of September at $3.15, you would now be up 4.44%. Fantastic. I've been buying lots of candles of late, so maybe I'm the one pushing the share price up. That, you know, that could be it. It could be it. Then if you bought TNT on the 1st of October at 22.5 cents, you know, you'd be up 2.22%. And then sadly, Nitro, if you bought it on the 10th of September at $3.32, you're only going to be up 1.81% because we did have a little bit of a tech sell-off. And as you know, both my stocks have been tech. So yeah, I'm, I'm losing. But look, the main thing is it's all good news, all in the green, which is like what we like to see. And all the stocks we've spoken about are all heading in the hopefully the right positive direction. Remember, folks, we don't like to check in our stock performances that often, um, but we also just can't resist updating you on how they're going. Exactly. I mean, this is really the fun part of investing in shares, but 
We also like to take a really long-term view. And, you know, for us personally, a long-term investment is, you know, 10 plus years. For you, it might be one year. On average, don't play around with your portfolio too much or even worry yourself looking at it every day. I mean, we've got a great week this week. Last week was horrific. So, you know, you just never know what you're going to get in the short term. And it's like a nice bottle of wine. You know, when you do your homework and you know that you're buying a good drop, the longer you leave it, the better it's going to age and it's going to eventually taste. It's all about it's all about delayed gratifications. When you pop it, you're like, that is worth the wait. It is. Set and forget. Okay. So it sounds like you may have more of a speculative growth idea this time around. So I'm super intrigued. What are you going to bring to the Autopad Felicity? Yeah. So this one is very speculative. Um, it is very much in the high growth corner of the boxing ring. The company is called Silex and the code is SLX on ASX. Now it's an Australian technology company. The market cap is 200 183 million, so it's a micro cap, right? So tiny, tiny, tiny. All right. So what does Silex do? I mean, I know what it does, but benefit of the doubt for our listeners. So the company has two main focuses. The first being zero emission nuclear power through uranium, where they are focused on the development and commercialization of the Silex laser isotope separation technology. Now, the primary commercial application of the technology is in the production of fuel for the nuclear power industry, which is licensed exclusively to Global Laser Enrichment. GLE, which you'll hear me talking about a bit, and a business venture comprising Silex with 51% and Cameco 49%. Now, GLE is building a path to market in the US through the Paducah Laser Enrichment Facility, so PLEF, situated in Kentucky. Now, the facility will be capable of producing... 5 million tonnes of uranium annually for 30 years via the enrichment of depleted uranium tails supplied by the US Department of Energy, DOE. So this is their first primary focus, being uranium enrichment for the production of uranium fuel for the nuclear power industry. Tongue-tied. Got it. And I think Biden's been pushing the uranium agenda a lot lately. So it is very interesting in an interesting sector. You know, I'm intrigued. Keep keep going. I also think this why it has gone up significantly in the last year as well. I mean, I actually bought this at about 30 cents, maybe even less, right? What's it trading roughly now? $1.42, I'm pretty sure. Woo-hoo. Yeah. The second focus is the silicon enrichment for the production of zero spin silicon. So it's a key enabling material for the processor chips in the emerging quantum computing industry. Now, the silicon they actually produce is 99.95% pure. So unlike your natural silicon, your natural silicon can't be used in quantum computing, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And you need the most purest form of silicon really, for the semiconductor industry. So so they're in that space, aren't they? Yes, which has also boomed over the last year or so. Um, you know, So on that, Silex has developed a semiconductor material technology known as CREO. There's lots of acronyms in this one, isn't there? So which was produced by UK-based IQE in 2018. Now, this technology is currently being commercialised by IQE for application in the 5G mobile communications industry under a licence and royalty agreement signed in 2015. Now, it's very unique as this semiconductor tech is moving for commercial deployment in 5G mobile handset filter applications. Do you know what a 5C handset 
application is? No, I actually don't. You're talking about mobile phones, really, in particular? Yeah, pretty interesting. Which is a key point, right? Because 5G, we keep hearing it's the future for the digital revolution that we're about to embark on. You've done a video on 5G, which you should probably post on Instagram. I will. I will do that. Because it feels demoralizing and like a rejection when your phone goes, you know, 5G down to 4G, down to 3G, and everything's so slow. So the way that we live in today's modern society is we demand that high-speed internet. Although Silex, you know, is considered a micro-small cap, like you've explained, it's not a new business, right? No, it's not. So it was actually founded in 1988. Now, they first invented their Silex laser isotope separation technology in the 1990s in Sydney. So been around a really long time. So their aim is is deployment in the US, a full-scale pilot by the mid-2020. So I think it's around 2029. So I said before, they're going to produce in Kentucky over 5 million tonnes of uranium annually for 30 years. Now, this is equivalent to a tier one uranium resource. So it's actually ranking in the top 10 uranium mine productions by volume in today's standard. So so really, if you're wanting to invest in uranium, regardless of being silex or not, it's really like a decade play. It definitely is. And look, their primary revenue model is enriching stockpiles of US government uranium tails. So, you know, the technology has demonstrated its capability of enriching uranium with lasers and prototype scales um, that have actually shown they're significantly more efficient than the centrifuge, potentially offering lower overall costs. I mean, Silex's other project partner, Cameco, is actually one of the globally um, top two uranium suppliers. And that's a key partnership for them. Correct. Yeah. And so, you know, for for people that may not be familiar with uranium, like why uranium? Why is everyone talking about that now? Okay. So uranium is a heavy metal, which is predominantly used as a feedstock for the nuclear power industry. Now, there's a significant potential uranium supply shortage that's forecast. So why we believe uranium, um, you know, this structural supply deficit could occur without a timely increase in production. So by saying that, that means demand could grow significantly. They're also going to grow significantly because uranium is the zero emission nuclear power. I mean, I'm pretty sure our government just got into an agreement with the US and UK for uranium nuclear submarines. Um, Now, Uranium prices must keep increasing, essentially, to provide stimulus for the increased production. You know, we have been positive uranium markets, you know, which have been depressed since Fukushima. So, you know, stockpiles are depleting, supply has been curtailed, and the market is showing, you know, finally signs of life again. Our forecast assumes a multi-year price spike at US £85 uh, before settling to our long-term U308 realised price assumption of £60 in 2028. Yeah, so that's a really interesting point. And I guess coming back to it has been, you know, a bit unloved uranium overall as a commodity, but now it's back in the limelight. But if you come back to the business, Felicity, I guess what are the key financial highlights that really took your eye? Yeah, like why have I chosen it for our order pad now yeah. um, and not previously? Yeah. You know, I think obviously this is a speculative buy, but it's not as speculative as it used to be when I bought it at 30 cents. They've recently de-risked the balance sheet by their recent capital raise, and they've got about $22 million in net assets currently. You know, the Silex technology is the only known third-generation 
laser-based uranium enrichment technology under commercial development today. I think that's a key driver as to why I really like it. You know, Interestingly enough, the US market imports about 90% of the uranium supply currently. So um, this, I guess, new mine is essentially going to be the US's, you know, the US's... Uranium ticket. Well, that's it. They're saving grace. Um, Because I think it is super important that we are leaning towards, you know, your clean energy zero emission targets. Um, You know, the Paducah Laser Enrichment Facility is also going to be net NPV positive at a realised price of US 43 pounds. Um, That's good because if the forecast is saying US 60 pounds, they're you know positive even if it gets distressed down to 43 um, US levels. So that's a good sign. Correct. And their post-tax NPV is US 392 million with an internal rate of return of 16%, which is pretty impressive. I mean, double digits every day of the week. We'll take that. That's it. And look, the Zero Spin Silicon, so SZ-SI technology, is a unique form of isotopically enriched silicon required for the fabrication of next-gen processor chips, which will be powered by silicon-based quantum computers. We're currently uh, carrying this notional value of about Australian $30 million for this. Um, and then finally, we've also got the CREO technology, uh, which is trademarked for 5G mobile handsets applications which we spoke about being purchased by the UK in 2018 for US $5 million. Um, you know, we're taking a valuation that this will be worth about $10 million, um, Aussie. So... Well, that's a good boost to the Silex overall valuation and share price at the end of the day. Yeah, that's it. I mean, yes, it's not making money right now, but I think what will actually probably make money the quickest is actually going to be their silicon production. So, you know, I don't think we've gone through this, that they were approached by UNSW in 2018 to actually look into silicon production for AI, medical science, EV, cybersecurity, quantum computing, etc. Now, so the silicon market actually has supply chain issues in Russia currently. Um, now, their project is valued at about $8 million, and it's a three-year project which actually launched at the end of 2019. Now, the goal was to establish reliable, cost-effective production of silicon for potential sales, you know, domestically and offshore. Um, you know, Silex has actually put $3 million of their own money into this project, um, and they are saying that from 2023 onwards, producing silic- they'll be producing silicon for their project and partners, SQC, um, which actually has a value of 500 USD per kilo of silicon. So this is going to be the most realistic making money, 2023, really. So silicon's really their ticket in the short term. Uranium's their long-term play, really. That's it. And I mean, one kilo of silicon, 500,000 US, how do I get that? Yeah, that's incredible (laughs) margins, that one. Exactly. I mean, key risks that you probably need to think about when you're looking at really, really small companies like this is the key personnel risk is a lot larger than other organisations. I mean, they may need to raise more money for their Paducah laser enrichment facility to get actually into production. I mean, that might be modelled incorrectly currently. There's several factors that you need to look out for when it comes to um, you know these kind of speculative growth companies. 
To summarise why I believe this is a buy, you've got the JLEJV, which is Silex Cameco, aiming to demonstrate Silex uranium enrichment technology at pilot commercialisation stage by 2029. You've got GLE's path to market focused on the Paducah opportunity, a large low-cost uranium production project with additional potential for uranium enrichment to produce LEU and HLEU nuclear fuels. You've got long-term fundamentals for global growth in nuclear power which remain positive. However, a significant uranium supply deficit is looming in the absence of timely increase in production. So, I mean, that to me seems like it's a buy. You've got silic silicon enrichment technology being developed to produce zero-spin silicon in support of global efforts to commercialise silicon quantum computing. And then you've got silic assessing several other applications of the silex technology, potentially in medical radioisotopes. They're the key, I guess, reasons why you like it. But I guess the million-dollar question now is how do you see the share price tracking in the next few months? You've mentioned it is volatile, right? It started at $0.30, up to $6 at one point, now you know, kind of the mid-$1 levels. So what should we look out for if we're keen on Silex? So I think if you like the idea of thematic investing, then this is a really good speculative high-growth idea. We've actually made some minor updates to our model. Our valuation has been reduced from $2.60 to $2.45 based on dilution and a larger capital raising than previously anticipated. So that basically means our Shore & Partners 12-month price target is about 71% from current levels. And if you look at consensus price target, the average for the next 12 months, it's sitting at around $2.12 per share, which is about 49% on current levels. So I guess that's why I like Silex and I think it deserves a spot on our growing order pad. But I'm really excited to hear about your classic but ever-evolving stock idea. But before we do hear about it, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, Candice, what idea do you have for us today? Okay, so I'm pitching a large cap resource company that you mentioned. It's very much evolved over the decades. So this giant resource company is one of the top largest mining companies in the world. And like Silex, it's not a new company, but it has a longer history because it dates back to 1885. And really since the merger in 2001, this company has become even more of a household name, I would argue, when the Australian Broken Hill Company joined forces with the Ango Dutch Billiton Company. So if you haven't already guessed it, I'm talking about BHP <laughs> today. BHP, if you're not familiar, shame on you, especially if you're an Aussie listener. It's a $193 billion market cap mining company, which has operations globally, as we know, mainly in iron ore, coal, 
copper, gas and oil more recently with the Woodside announcement. So the code on the ASX is BHP. And now the reasons why I think BHP is one of the better value stocks right now on the ASX, and I want to bring it to the Autopad, is because if I look at the fundamentals, right, the company has solid fundamentals and metrics, in my opinion. Secondly, relative to the market and its peers, like we talked about earlier, that's one of the key things for value stocks. You, you want to find it trading at value, in your opinion, right, or a discount. And then finally, the investments into the future facing of commodities and resources. BHP, you wouldn't realize it, is actually taking a bit more of an ESG focus. It's normally lagged behind Fortescue and Rio, but now it's Mm. really changing its portfolio to be more ESG focused. When you say that company's got solid fundamentals, what are you kind of meaning by that? Let's look at the balance sheet first. As of 30 June 2021, their financial reports, they were saying BHP has 16.8 million USD cash on hand. By the way, all the figures, because BHP reports in USD, it's all USD numbers. Mm -hmm. So 103 million total assets, very low levels of debt at only 48 million. So that means they're actually sitting around 52 million of total shareholder equity value. And they're also extremely cash flow positive as a business, which you know that I like that. So EBIT of, you know, 17.6 million. And when you look at their CapEx and expenditures, it's pretty low. So their free cash flow figure is around 9.3 million USD. So if we look out to the next 12 months, the fundamentals are also forecasting strong EBIT levels of 33.7 million USD. So essentially double from where we are now. Love that which brings their free cash flow positive figure even further up the scale to 19 million. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so, you know, there is a lot of ESG talk at the moment. So what part is the market missing? So I think the market's not looking at the balance sheet, Mm -hmm. the fundamentals of the business. And also some investors are too short term when it comes to ESG. They want ESG to be here today, but that's not going to happen overnight. And the reality is traditional resources will be around for another few years until renewable energy sources have some more investment to go. They become more mainstream, which they're not yet. They're not fully cost effective. We keep hearing that a lot. And they're not 100% reliable. So these factors, which are being overlooked, in my opinion, are allowing the stock to trade at a discount to the underlying value to the business and the assets of BHP, which BHP is only trading at 13 times PE. Yeah. And look, I think it's important to note that they've only got one thermal coal mine left, which they're trying to get rid of. So they've really slowly exited out the portfolio from traditional fossil fuels. Yeah. Fantastic. And focusing on those future facing commodities. So Candice, probably good to explain when you are looking at value stocks, the ideal PE range you want to look at is between 10 times and 20 times. And now for growth stocks, you're obviously going to pay a higher PE multiple for their growth projections. You know, a classic example here is Tesla, right? It's trading on triple PE lately, around 386 times. Yeah. And if you compare Tesla to like any traditional value stock, what comes to mind is always a bank. Let's pick something random like CBA. They're only trading at 20 times. And I'm talking about BHP, another traditional resource company, 13 times. So I think it's offering good value fundamentals in that perspective, because not only does the balance sheet look super strong for BHP right now, but the company's signaling that it's going to look even stronger in the next 12 months, which is what you want to look for in a value stock. Because history shows us, right, traditional value stocks when it's good times for the balance sheet, you know, they've got high profits, they've got lots of cash on hand, they're driving costs down and CapEx, which we know BHP is doing. 
What do they traditionally normally do? Well, they reward shareholders with their large or special dividends. Exactly. And that's 100% what BHP did. They completely blew the market out of the water when they reported uh, this reporting season with a huge dividend of, you know, yield, I think was about 10.3%. So it's massive beat on that expectation. Mm. And I think based on the fundamentals and the growth investments into the ESG space, which I'll get into in a second, I think we can expect another great potentially double-digit figure in the dividend yield in the year ahead. You did mention the ESG factor. Can you tell us a little bit more about how it's more ESG-focused and why, as you know, a sustainable investor, I'd want to go into BHP? You and I are both ESG-focused investors, so it's never been on the ESG radar list before, and it's probably still not fully ESG favourable mm-hmm. for a lot of traditional ethical investors. But we can't ignore that they are slowly exiting out of the fossil fuel industry. Mm-hmm. That's a good tick. That's a win. You should reward companies that are moving towards you know, more future-facing commodities, in my opinion. Yeah. So apart from the obvious ESG statements and all the nice marketing messages that the company has. And the targets. They've got some good targets. They have some right? great targets. If you look past all the you know company statements, in their recent financial report, BHP made some big changes and announcements to the portfolio and their corporate structure in order to grow more strongly and pivot towards the world's need for decarbonisation. So Mike Henry, the CEO of BHP, announced that they're investing $5.7 billion US in the Jensen Stage 1 project, which is located in Canada, which is a new high-margin business in the world's best potash basin. Don't worry, I'll explain what potash is in a moment. This basically opens up the new future growth path for BHP. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the consistent message that BHP board is signaling to the market is they're really wanting to pivot towards these future-facing commodities. So they've made an offer to acquire Canada's um, Norton Resources to gain access to a highly prospective nickel basin in the attractive region. So the Norton board has unanimously kind of recommended the shareholders accept the BHP offer. So it looks like the deal's got to go ahead here. Yeah, great. So I think people know you know a little bit about nickel um, and how the outs considered ESG, but why potash? I mean, I feel like potash is we've only really heard about it in the last year. It's really now coming up into the conversation more and more, mm. and that's because it's an essential nutrient for plant growth. So potash is a vital link in the global food chain supply conversation. You know, we know with globalization, the demands on the supply chain is intensifying. And while cultivated land area is going to remain almost static, the global population will be close to 10 billion people. 10 billion people, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. By 2050. And of that, 3 billion are expected to join the growing middle class by 2030, so even sooner. And so now between the middle of the century, food demand is expected to grow by 50%. So sustainable increases into the crop yields that's crucial to feed the world. We can't just keep going the rate we're going. We need to change something. We've got to change the status quo. Mm. So advances into the farming practices, farmer education, new seed varieties, all these need to be utilised now in order to optimise the future yields in the agricultural sector. And as the quantity of production grows, so does the amount of potassium removed by harvesting. So essentially the sustainable targeted use of potash fertilizer, which is what BHP is investing in, Mm. will be critical in replenishing our soils to keep up with this huge global food demand. Fantastic. So essentially potash allows for more sustainable long-term farming. And you've nailed it on the head there. So it's solving an ESG fertilizer problem, but also solving the concerning supply and demand equation that we're facing. 
you know, it's estimated that potash could double by the late 2040s, by which point it could be a 50 billion US market. So BHP are smart here. They know it's a growing market and they're investing heavily because more than 90% of the global demand for potash comes from the agricultural sectors. You know, that's because 55 million tonnes of potassium chloride is applied as fertiliser annually. That's whopping. You know, if we break it down, that's seven kilos per person on the planet each. So at consensus prices, you know, the go forward investment on the Janssen project is that it's expected to generate an internal rate of return to 12 to 14 percent. Double digits. Double digits. Love that. And an expected payback period of seven years from the first production. Also underlying EBITDA margins of 70%, another key characteristics when you're looking at value stocks, given its expected first quartile cost position. So essentially it's good for business, underlying profits, and it's also ticking those ESG factors. Thanks for explaining that, Candice. So we know that Potash doesn't really get as much, I guess, limelight when it comes to ESG, but our you know copper and nickel do. So do you want to explain a little bit more about how BHP is in uh, that area now? Yeah, copper and nickel are definitely the, the more loved future-facing commodities, right? And that's because the world need more of it because these are natural resources that are key for electrification, renewable energy and power, electrical vehicles. As we know, it's the key commodities in the lithium battery development. So the market investors aren't really kind of talking about this, but what people don't realize is that iron ore and high quality met coal is actually used to produce the steel for infrastructure, which includes infrastructure decarbonization. So you need to still stay a little bit traditional in terms of the resource play in order to get fully renewable. So the pivot into these future-facing commodities being copper and nickel, it's a key move for BHP because there's very long tailwinds of about 100 years there. There's heaps of growth upside that we're seeing and the commodity prices is coming off a cycle low. So that equals happy days for BHP. 100%. And I think, you know what, why BHP I think believes is such a good business is they've kind of pivoted throughout the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, They seem to be able to pivot quite well into the direction that the world is kind of leading which is fantastic. And and if we remember back to like the early 2000s, Fortescue, everyone was shocked when they were going to enter the coal market at that point. Mm. And then they've done it for the last, you know, 20 years. And now they're really exiting the coal market and moving towards a more renewable energy play. We're focusing on hydrogen, but that's going to be quite expensive, but interesting. So, you know, BHP is just kind of following suit with Fortescue in that sense. They're slowly exiting out. Now that's really great, Candice. You know, we love BHP, but they will be exposed to a number of risks that shareholders should probably be aware of and potentially new buyers of BHP. Yeah. So, I mean, like when you invest in any resource mining company, big or small, there's always general risks that comes with it. Mm -hmm. So the big one, the elephant in the room is the macroeconomic conditions, you know, both domestic and globally. What happens on that scale is going to affect BHP's financial performance, such as inflation, interest rates, government policy, employment, ESG factors. You know, we've got to watch out for those. Market conditions also, as BHP is a listed company, its share price is going to be subject to numerous influences that may impact the trends of the market and the share price of the company. Watch out for that. The big one, obviously, is commodity price volatility and the exchange rate risk, right? So I mentioned earlier all those metrics, BHP reports in USD, but obviously trades on an Aussie market mainly. So you've got some fluctuations there you've got to 
be aware of, which is really out of BHP's control at the end of the day. Mm. And BHP's revenue and cash flows are largely driven still from the sale of copper, silver and gold. So the financial performance of BHP is exposed to those fluctuations in those commodities. And as we know, commodity prices, they're volatile. They can move in really large swings. But, you know, we find that this kind of stuff does flush out over the long term anyway. Um, You know, you just are exposed to, you know, FX and things like that more in the short term. But it all comes out in the wash, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. So this is the most exciting part. This is why people are listening. What about the valuation? Where do you see the share price moving in the next 12 months? This is where we get excited because it's, it's where it is now, but where is it going, right? So quick recap. Market cap is 193 bill, net income impressive of 13 million, revenue 60 million, highly profitable business like we know, 18% profit margin, EBIT margin of 41%, but growing to 55% next financial year, ROE 19% currently growing to 32%. And similarly for the ROI and EPS growth, it's expected for the earnings per share growth to jump by eight and a half times in 2022. And then for a value stock, you can't ignore the dividend share. The DPS is expected to even conservatively be $3.78, meaning a yield of 9.5%, plus it's fully franked for your Aussie investors. So strong metrics now, even stronger metrics, and they're indicating the next 12 months. So the most bullish price target out there that we can see is $60.41 for BHP to reach that in the next 12 months, being upside of 55.5%. And we, Shoreham Partners, our research team, place a $48 price target on BHP. That's roughly 24.5% upside on current levels. And the average buy, because we always look at averages, Mm. the market consensus is signaling BHP could reach in 12 months a 45.76 price target. It's giving conservative even 18% upside. That's still really good returns. So... Yes, BHP is still a traditional resource company for now. I'm an ESG investor, but I look to reward companies that are moving towards these future-facing commodities. And have a lot of momentum that way as well. Yeah, and it's got solid values, solid fundamentals. We know it's going to take some years to fully fade away from coal and iron ore. We're not there yet. So while we're not there, pick up BHP, solid company, solid buy, offering up solid traditional value investment metrics, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think BHP is the new kind of investment, your value growth, which is what we're looking at a lot. Got to find that fine balance, right? That's it. It's not just value. It's not just growth. This is a value growth. So in summary today, we both pitched commodity-based companies and we'll obviously continue to track them, you know, how Silex, how BHP and how all of our other stocks already added on the growing order pad continue to go in the next three weeks, 12 months. 20 years because mine's going to take a while to play off potentially. (laughs) Please remember, although Candice and I are financial advisors, please note our discussions today do not constitute as personal financial advice. As always, you should seek professional financial advice before making any financial or investment decisions. I do not want anyone giving me a bad review because you invested in Silex and it's gone backwards in the short term, okay? Now, feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email, which is displayed in the show notes below. Our Instagram handle is Talk Money to Me Podcast. Until next time. Catch ya. Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. 
The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.